0: Welcome to Become an Idol. This is episode four, Learning Experience Design, what it is and how it's applied to the instructional design process. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Sargent, the owner of Idle Courses. This is the place where newbies come to learn and veterans share their knowledge. In this episode, I'll be chatting with James Finder about learning experience design and how it is applied to the instructional design process. All right, well, let's go ahead and get started. Who I have with me today is James Finder. And he is the founder and owner of Promethean Learning Experience Design, which is his own company uh, providing solutions for organizations. So James, uh, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and your company and what you do.
1: Yeah, certainly. My, uh, my company provides um, talent development and organizational change management solutions uh, using a, a wide variety of tools, primarily using what's called the Plex Performance Canvas. And uh, we, that's part of, um, like I said, a variety of tools that we use. We've, we're skilled in uh, instructional design, um, design thinking, as well as e-learning development and uh, content development as well. So I'd encourage anybody who's listening to this to take a look at my website, uh, that's www.getplex.com. Uh, to check out my website, you can download a free ebook Uh talks about our design sprint process, as well as the results we had um, as a result of running a design sprint, which were pretty awesome. So James,
0: I actually um, invited you to come on this podcast to talk about design thinking. And besides what you just mentioned about your company, can you just share a little bit with us about why you're uniquely qualified to talk about design thinking?
1: I think I'm uniquely qualified to talk about it because I've been a participant, I've been the focus, and I've been the facilitator of a design sprint. So um, I've seen it from all three angles, which I think gives me a a unique perspective. I haven't just facilitated, but I've also been the subject of, as well as a sprint participant. Uh, So I think that gives me a a unique qualification uh, to really see the process from all three sides and really get a unique handle on it.
0: Before we go any further, because a lot of our audience, they're newbies to instructional design, period. And so maybe we should just kind of define what we're talking about. What do we mean when we say design thinking and uh, how is that different from instructional design? Or maybe we just define design thinking first.
1: Design thinking is just a series of questions. And really, the it varies from practitioner to practitioner. But really, what I, I want to think of is, is the following. One, who's my audience? Two, uh, what do they need to be able to do? Three, uh, why aren't they doing it now? And four, how can we as an organization support our audience to get that thing done? Right? Um, so that should probably sound really similar to some of the tenets of what you've heard from an instructional design as well. Change management, organizational change management. Like I said, it's, they share a lot of the same theories and a lot of the same application. It's part of a tool in a toolbox. That makes
0: sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I had to do my research for this, James. And so, some of the things I found is instructional design is a practice and design thinking is a methodology. So, it's a way to come up with more creative solutions to problems by just like what you said empathizing with your end user and answering those questions to find out, like, what's a real solution to the problem that they actually have.
1: Exactly. 100% correct. I think that's a great way to put it. Instructional design is a methodology, much like ADDIE is a practice, right? And like SAM is a methodology, right? Something that IDEO came up with, or I'm sorry, Allen Interactions, uh, the successive approximation model.
0: So you got to tell everybody what SAM is.
1: Oh, uh, SAM is, long and short, is rapid prototyping, successive approximation model. We create something, we deploy it, we test it, we get user feedback. Um, and then rapidly create something new after we've received feedback from it. We don't do a waterfall. It's not a waterfall approach. Um, it's just the traditional Addy method, you know, analysis, design, develop, implement, um, evaluate, go back, right? It's sort of we, we're we we're implementing and evaluating in sort of a constant flow. Does that make sense?
0: Right, exactly. So Addy is waterfall. So that just means it's linear. You go from one step to another. You're never like going backwards, to the other stuff. Whereas if you do Sam, it's an agile model, just like James said, and so you are designing and you're prototyping and you're going around in the circle so you can uh, produce something quicker. That the you actually get input from your users from the start.
1: Right. Exactly. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I think that's a really accurate statement.
0: Now that we've defined all our terms, let's just go ahead and go down the road and start talking about why learning experience design is important to you, James. What, what, like, where, how were you introduced to it and how did it you know, change the way you do your work and things like that?
1: I started my career in training and education in 2009 when uh, I, I moved abroad to Seoul, South Korea, to, uh, to train um, English as a foreign language, teach and train English as a foreign language. When I came back to the United States in 2014, I, I realized that a lot of the ways that I had been taught and the ways that I was being asked to teach in South Korea didn't work, didn't work well. And that's how I, I got exposed to instructional design and how to make better learning, right? How to make learning experiences more more fun because I knew how devastating it was for my original audience when I was in South Korea just to do rote memorization and lecture-based learning. It didn't get them far. My students were really, really effective at using, you know, their English language skills on a TOEFL test. But when it came to real application and real usage of the English language, they were, they were really stuck. And I... I man, that's that's not where, you know, that's not what I want to be designing, I, not what I want to be facilitating, so right. that's how I got exposed to instructional design and doing what I do now. Um, how did I get exposed to design thinking? Um, I, I met with a consultant in 2017, and um, we had met uh, on a panel together talking about business strategies and networking and sort of how to raise your profile and, and do things within your your community as a freelancer. And he had exposed me to sort of the Jake Knapp design sprint process. And that's how I got exposed to it. I love the process. I, I was the subject of a sprint. And like you can tell from my, in the ebook, we were able to grow our, Our revenue pipeline by 750% and like 10x our close ratio, which was pretty awesome. We've, you know, as a result of the sprint, we've been able to uh, see a 43% increase in net revenue at programing and learning experiences from year over year, from 2017 to 2018. So, um, I mean, like I know how powerful it is. So that's why I use it.
0: Okay so maybe we should probably talk about what sprints are and how they work and uh just kind of give some background about agile and using design thinking to cre- like to implement a sprint and why you know a sprint is so integral to design thinking you know what i mean
1: Yeah certainly so why so why a sprint
0: Yeah like people might not be familiar with sprints you know maybe they haven't worked in a in an IT role or something like that?
1: A sprint is just sort of a scheduled time block that you're – it's not – It's a, it, like you said earlier, it's a it's a methodology. It allows you to build uh, – it has built-in functions and built-in processes. I I, go, I, I would recommend checking out um, GV Sprint. That's uh, GV as in Google Ventures, sprint.com. And they have the whole process lined out there, even well, 15 minutes worth of video uh, that goes through day one through day five of, of what a sprint is. And I, I, that's where I, w- I would probably do it in justice trying to go through it um, you know, better than they can. So um, that's what I would recommend to your listeners would be to check out GVSprint.com and uh, you'll be able to, to get the resources there.
0: Yeah, and if I was just to um, do my best at condensing what a sprint is based on my knowledge of Agile or whatever, and James, you can of course jump in here and help me out. But what I understand for from a sprint is, you know, you get your list of problems. Right? So you figure out what those problems are and then you figure out what the priority problem is and then you take that priority problem and you are going to, in your sprint, you're going to brainstorm your solution, you're going to prototype it and then you're going to get feedback from your end users and it you, a lot of times sprints are like two weeks um, to get your prototype
1: out. That's what I understand. That's a lot of the foundations but typically we're, there's a lot of... Um... You know, the nine box canvas, you know, the lean startup canvas, um, like I said, we, I created the, uh, the Plex performance canvas out of some of the materials that were available, like based on a nine square canvas and some of the work that Kathy Moore has done and some of the work that IDEO has done and some of the work that I've done in my own personal experience like what works and created this canvas to, to sort of help guide what's going on during the sprint process the the canvas has been a really integral tool and you can get that actually at getflex.com there's a free tool there that you can use for your next uh sprint or you know just even to flesh out you know ideas you know it's a really helpful tool to just plan you know there's a process to it it allows you to think through um, again those four questions who's your audience what do they need to be able to do? Why are they doing it now? What are the current roadblocks, right? And who can you work with to support you? Um, and you know, like th- those are the those are the keys to any successful learning and development, talent development, change management program. Um, is answering those questions.
0: So I guess that just kind of leads us to our next question, which is, how do you implement this design thinking from the very beginning? Of any kind of project, so what does it actually look like? How do, could you you know flesh this out for us maybe in a, in an example that you 've had recently?
1: yeah, certainly, so i 'm actually going to be working with an organization to to facilitate a design sprint in in about two weeks and and they have a, a challenge that they that they want to focus on on, on developing much detail about it. but I, I lay the foundation was getting our leadership stakeholders on board by showing them uh showing them the resources showing them the book and you know the other teams that have done it i mean you're hearing the quote-unquote design thinking you get you're hearing that getting thrown around a lot in in our industry and i think that that's a lot of you heard that last year with ar and vr right Um, you heard that two years ago with xapi you heard that um you know three or four years ago with, with gamification. And I think while design thinking, like you said, it's a methodology and it works. Um, the reason, and it's been around since, um, you know, you can look up, you know, there's relations to human centered design, the nine box canvas and and sort of the process of human centered design and design thinking, I mean, goes back to, you know, the fifties and 60s. It's not new. Um, it's just, it, it's a cycle, right? You can look at, um, you know, the total, the sort of focus on quality, right? Like we had that, that quality management, TQM, like uh-huh. real big fad in, in the 90s, right? And now that's not, that's not the fad, but you saw a lot of those pieces get implemented into Six Sigma, right? This is all stuff from, that I'm reading on LinkedIn from my PLN, PLN, Personal Learning Network. It's not new. It's just stuff that's worked before that's getting dressed up by vendors to sell stuff.
0: (laughs) Well, it's good. I mean, it's good to, um, you know, bring it to, you know, new instructional designers' attention because they might hear, you know, design thinking is replacing instructional design. And so it is important, you know, that you do, say, just like what you said, James, like it's not replacing, it's just a methodology to inform the practice of instructional design.
1: Right. The practice of instructional design, of creating content that's going to empower your learners to do something different, that's not going anywhere. Right. Right. That's always going to be the goal. But the the how you get there is going to change, right? And I think we're just finding out the process is different rather than the the end goal. And I think too many organizations get caught up in the process. You know, the process is the goal when sometimes there is a process and there is a goal. Two separate
0: things. So a lot of this what design thinking can happen in the very beginning of any you know your HR manager brings you a problem about the employees and design thinking can start from the beginning right because you're going to come up with a solution at that point is that when you start implementing it?
1: Yeah 100 percent so that I mean again, it's, it's tools in a toolbox. So if it's going to fit, like it all depends on is your organization open to, you know, what does a different way of thinking, or are they just looking to turn, uh, are they looking to create content? And what, if you have established that, you know, you're, you're not swimming uphill and, uh, the organization you're a part of wants you to really come up with creative ideas to create content, Then then design thinking is definitely a way to do that. But, If your organization just wants you to make better looking PowerPoints and PPT to storyline imports, then design thinking is not really going to help you there.
0: Right. And there's another thing that we talk a lot about in kind of the instructional design field, and that is about not being order takers, right? Just kind of like what you mentioned about just like taking a PowerPoint and importing it. But the design thinking will help you not be an order taker because you'll actually find the real problem so that you can find a real solution. And that's supposed to happen in the analysis stage of Addy. But if you apply the design thinking, what it seems like to me is you can address the actual problem that the users are having. You can empathize. Exactly. With exactly.
1: hundred percent. That's a very accurate statement. I think you can, you know, again, it's, it, it's not just like design thinking At right now it's a buzzword. If not, I don't know if people are really using it in the way that it's meant to be used. I think it's much like gamification or um, like there are elements of game beyond uh, leaderboards and scoreboards and fun sound. Like there's real stuff that's going on there. Dr. David Chandros talks a lot about that stuff, you know, serious games. How do you create real games? Um, so those are, um, again, it's, it's really difficult to say, yeah, not don't be an order taker, but also there's the reality of are you, you know. I think it's important to be, like you said, for new instructional designers or people who are in just joining the field or new to it. You're not going to always have that that flexibility. There's going to be times where, like I said, it's not going to be a, an effective tool in the toolbox. You know,
0: right, right. Certainly, still do your homework and I mean this is my recommendation still do your homework still you know come up with what the actual problem is by trying to get access to your end users if at all possible and if you haven't built up enough trust for them to give you the tools or the resources or the time that you need to implement design thinking it's still a good place to practice as you build up trust then hopefully (laughs) <laughs> You'll be able to
1: implement it. Yeah, I, I think that's an I think that's an excellent statement. Really, what are you designing content for? Is always should be the, the central question you need to ask yourself what, when designing or or building content. What What are we trying to? What's the action that we're trying to do here? And again, you, that you're only going to get that from your end user. Your L and D stakeholders can only tell you so much. Um, your training managers can only tell you so much. It's really the end users that are going to have to tell you what's really effective for them.
0: So, James, do you think that um, implementing design thinking at the beginning and then following through, you, say, you determine that a course is the answer, is it going to take longer to implement this? Or what's kind of the time turnaround? What I you- think
1: it's going to vary from, from, organiz- you know, from problem to problem. It's going to change, right? You know, you, you come to the solution that e-learning content is the way to go. I think then you just roll into your typical e-learning development process.
0: Yeah because you know some people might be adverse to it thinking that you know design thinking will take longer cuz they have to go um and speak to the users and then they have to create a prototype and um then they have to test that prototype with the users uh, but I, actually when i was looking do my research and i saw what kind of prototypes they mean um it doesn't actually mean like a full functioning e-learning course or anything right
1: no it's typically like the deliverable at the end of a sprint is PowerPoint or a Word document or, you know, it's not, like you said, it's not a full-fledged learning course.
0: Okay, I saw things that were, like, made out of cardboard and hand-drawn and...
1: Totally, it's just, it's about user acceptance testing, right? We want to make sure that this is going to does this accurately represent what our users potentially want. And um, we're here to find solutions, potential solutions, and build them out we want good we want good e-learning or we want a good product but we also we don't want to get too attached to anything because it's constant iteration is going to get you the, the best product you know
0: when you go through your first sprint what you said yours are 5 days and you come back to the learner the end user and you say oh this is what we think is going to solve the problem do you just keep going back to sprints until they accept the solution or if they accepted the first round, then you just move on to development or
1: how does that? It gets work? woven into the process, right? It gets woven into how do we, you know, we're going to come up with an idea. We're going to test it. Let's see if it works. It's bigger than, than e-learning development. Does that make sure. sense? Of course. You're going to come up with a prototype. The, user, the end user says, yeah, let's do that. Okay, cool. Let's roll this out right? Let's give our product a chance to, to shine. Then we go into our typical, it's not, I, I don't, th- I don't think it's like as successive as you, as you think. I mean, certainly organizations can continue to sprint and do, you know, sprint after sprint after sprint to, to get to, but eventually you need to, to implement, right? You need to build something, test the product and, and you think you have something. If you don't, you just have to go back to the process.
0: Yeah, like, so sometimes the sprint may just come up with five email course, right? That's just like dripped over time or or something as simple as that.
1: Certainly, certainly. And if it doesn't work, we go back to the process. Something didn't work. Okay, what didn't work? Here's the new inputs we had. Part of the sprint process is building a systems map, like what goes in, what are the inputs and outputs to the system? What What kind of data did we get from our first iteration? That email, you know, that five email drip course well, we found our open rate was only 10%. Well, okay, that's a problem. So yeah. we need to, you know, obviously email's not, a, not the right channel. Let's figure out, let's go back to the end users and find out why is that happening? Why did we only get a 10% open rate? Well, it looks, you know, the subject line was similar to a different, you know, what I, you know, our IT filter is filtering up spam. So it's always going into the spam filter. And while we go into our spam folder, well, that's a problem on us. You know what I mean? That's not the learner's fault. Yeah, That's our fault for, for building a subject line that's incorrect. It's just about constant iteration and, and examination.
0: All right. So, James, lastly, what do you want our audience, our new instructional designers to remember and to take away from design thinking? Is there anything that you like, want to further explain or leave with them or some last
1: notes? Take a look at getplex.com. Uh, we talk about our, our toolkit. We talk, we talk about our different open source free tools that you can use for development, for design, you know, all kinds of stuff. So uh, I just recommend have your, have your listeners take a look at the website, maybe find something and, and connect with me on LinkedIn.
0: And what else do you want them to take away about design thinking? What's something they should like, think about when they start developing their next course?
1: the things they should take away are who's your audience? What do they need to be able to do? Why aren't they doing it now? And how is the organization equipped to change outcomes? Just create content.
0: Yeah. And actually ask them.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Ask those questions.
0: To the actual users, the end users. Don't just assume those questions.
1: Yeah. Don't assume. Yeah.
0: Well, this has been so enjoyable, James. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: I appreciate your time, and thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. I hope the pod goes well and you get some new guests.
0: Oh, yes, me too. We'll definitely do this again. If you like learning experience design or design thinking, you want to hear more, well, James has a lot of friends, and we could talk about doing a panel coming up
1: in the future. Yeah, that sounds fantastic.
0: I know. Wouldn't that be great? All right. Thanks, James. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes for this episode at idlecourses.com. If you like this podcast and you want to become an instructional designer and online learning developer, join me in the Idle Courses Academy, where you'll learn to build all the assets you'll need to land your first job, early access to this podcast, tutorials for how to use the e-learning authoring tools, templates for everything course building, paid instructional design experience opportunities, and a friendly community to network with. Get on the wait list by going to idlecourses.com. Doors open in June of this year. Now get out there and build Transcendent Courses.